will gathered will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left then the king will say to those on his right come you are blessed by the father take your inheritance the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world for i was hungry and you gave me something to eat i was thirsty and you gave me something to drink i was a stranger and you invited me in i needed clothes and you clothed me i was sick and you looked after me i was in prison and you came to visit me then the righteous will answer him lord when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink when did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you when did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you the king will reply i tell you the truth whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine you did for me then he will say to those on his left depart from me who you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels for i was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat i was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink i was a stranger and you didn't did not invite me in i needed clothes and you did not clothe me i was sick and in prison and you did not look after me they also will answer lord when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you he will reply i tell you the truth whatever you did not do for one of the least of these you did not do for me then they will go away to eternal punishment but the righteous to eternal life this is the word of the lord well along with many other baptist churches right around australia we are exploring and talking about the single thing that can change the world and as i mentioned this is uh taken from a book written by author pastor consultant scott higgins and we commenced last week by focusing on god's generous love for us and this week develops the idea that we are created to be a people that reflect the character and likeness of our generous god as higgins writes to be fully human as god intended is to be people who are loving gracious kind generous good and just and to build communities that reflect those same attributes higgins opens chapter 2 with this story and it's had a real impact on me this week i've ordered desmond tutu's book without forgiveness there is no future because i believe that he has a story to tell that i want to learn more about but here's the story Desmond Tutu played a pivotal role in the downfall of South Africa's racist and oppressive system of apartheid. As a child, Desmond experienced a generous act of love that became the critical turning point in his life. 
Young Desmond and his mother were walking down the street of their town when a tall white man dressed in black walked towards them. During the era of apartheid, if a black person and a white person approached each other, it was expected that the black person would step off the footpath onto the road and nod their head as a gesture of respect to the white person. But on this day, something extraordinary happened. As the tall white man dressed in black drew nearer, it was he who stepped off the footpath onto a muddy and dirty road. And as Desmond and his mother passed, it was the white man who tipped his hat towards them as a gesture of respect. The young Desmond Tutu was astonished. Why did he do that? He asked, to which his mother replied, because he is a man of God. The man was Trevor Huddleston, an Anglican priest who chose to reject the racial stratification of apartheid and in a simple act of kindness challenged the very foundations upon which apartheid stood. It was at that moment that Desmond Tutu knew that he wanted to be a man of God and an Anglican priest. Trevor Huddleston's simple act of generous love changed Desmond Tutu's world and the course of South African history. When Trevor Huddleston stepped off that footpath and onto the muddy and dirty road, he did something unexpected. Yet from a biblical perspective, he was just doing what we were created to do, to love. Fundamental to the biblical account of life is the notion that to be human is to bear the image of God. Higgins observes that in recent years, biblical scholars have suggested that to see humanity as the image of God refers not so much to a quality we possess, but rather to a function we fulfill. We image God by being his representatives here on earth. And as such, we are created to reflect the generous love of God to each other. To be fully and completely human is to embody the character and purposes of God in our lives and in our communities. We are to be people who love as God loves, who show compassion as God shows compassion, who forgive as God forgives, who act with integrity as God acts with integrity, and to pursue justice as God pursues justice. We are created to live a life of love, grace, generosity, kindness, and faithfulness, and to build communities that reflect these same characteristics. When Trevor Huddleston stepped off that sidewalk and onto the road, he was being the person that God created him to be. When you and I engage in acts of love and compassion and generosity and faithfulness, we too become the people that God created us to be. Now this is the message you will find right throughout the entire Bible. It starts from Genesis chapter 1. And when you get to the second book of the Bible, Exodus, we see that God freed the Israelites, liberated the Israelites from Egypt and delivered them to the promised land. And he does this so that they can form a community of love. They were to be a people who loved God 
with all their heart, mind, strength and soul and who loved their neighbour as themselves. They were to be a people who gave witness to the nations around them because of this love. Because that's what they were made for. God gave them the law to show them how to go about doing that and what that looked like. You see, the purpose of the law was to teach Israel how to become a community where love, love for God and love for neighbour, was the defining feature of that community of people. It was to be a community where every person had enough for their family's needs, where every person was welcomed in to be part of the life of the community, where every person knew that they were cared for by God and by neighbour. But as we read through the Old Testament, and particularly in the prophets, we see that God's laws were not obeyed. We see that people chose to live for themselves. We see that there were plenty of people who didn't have enough. Their communities became fractured and divided into rich and poor. Some had way more than they needed. Others had way less. This was not, this was never God's design. As a result, what this meant was that they became a bad witness to the communities around them, to the nations around them. Instead of living for God, they lived for themselves. They failed to become the people that God had created them to be. But God is faithful even when we are faithless. So he didn't give up on humanity and he didn't write them off either. Instead, he chose to create a new people and he chose to do this through his son, Jesus Christ, who he sent in the world to become human, to become one of us, if you like. He came and he lived and he died and he rose again so that he could give birth to a new people, to us. You see, we, the church, are the new people of God. The baton, if you like, has been passed on to us. Unlike Israel, Jesus did live out God's perfect vision for humanity. What Israel failed to achieve, Jesus perfectly fulfills. He showed that love for God and love for others is central to what it means to be human. That life is all about representing the one in whose image we have been made. It's about love and acceptance and healing and forgiveness and being a voice for those in the community who have no voice. This was indeed the life that Jesus lived. And in doing so, he gave tangible witness to what God's intention always had been for his people. 
Now, Jesus had particularly harsh words for those who taught and lived a different message. He had especially hard words for the Pharisees, the religious leaders of his day. People went to great lengths to obey the law. Yet these Pharisees, according to Jesus, missed the whole point. They were so busy keeping the law that they missed the point of what the law was for in the first place. And he calls them hypocrites. He says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you give a tenth of your spices, but you've neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. It's as if he says, You are so busy ticking religious boxes that you failed to see the purpose of God's law, which was to shape you into a community that was marked by generous love. You guys know the law better than most people, but you've missed the whole point. Not a great reference. I can't help but wonder how many of us miss the whole point. How many of us are so busy ticking religious boxes that we forget that God has called us to be a community shaped by generous love? Not ticking religious boxes. It's not about ticking the box of church attendance or giving 10% of our income as a tithe. It's not about serving on rosters or giving to a charity. It's not about being involved in a small group. Those things are all good. But the problem is, when this becomes the focus for us of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, we've actually missed the point. When we make being a Christ follower about ticking boxes and about feeling good about all the boxes we can tick and looking down on those who tick less boxes than us, we've missed the point. That's what the Pharisees did and Jesus was constantly warning the disciples and people he taught not to do what the Pharisees did because they didn't practice what they preached. We find it a whole lot easier to talk about love and forgiveness. We read all these wonderful passages that exhort us to love, to forgive. But when it comes to actually putting this stuff into practice... It's a lot harder, isn't it? You see, I think we're so comfortable and busy reading books and listening to podcasts and going to Bible studies. <laughs> There's actually not much time left to do this stuff. Am I right? <laughs> you see, with the Pharisees, instead of being fully interested in love for God and other people, they became fully interested and invested in themselves. This is such a challenging message, guys. 
This is so challenging for me. (laughs) You know, you and I need to ask ourselves, have we missed the point? We need to ask, have we made it about me rather than we? Have we made it about I rather than us? Have we made it about ticking religious boxes or about contributing and being committed to being part of a community that is defined by generous love? And the answer to that question will determine the witness that we have to our community around us. If you look at the early church, you will see that they tried to make it far more than just ticking religious boxes. The New Testament letters tell us that some of the first century churches were in fact communities where generous love was the defining feature of God's people. And those churches really stood out. Their love for God and their love for each other was expressed in their daily lives together And it was a powerful example to others around them. Acts 4 gives us the first example of one of these churches, the church in Jerusalem. And we are told that all the believers were one in heart and mind, that nobody claimed any of their possessions for their own. They shared everything they had. There were no needy people among them. From time to time, those who owned property and houses sold them and bought the money from the sales of the properties and put them at the feet of the apostles so that anyone in need may be cared for. That is a picture of a community marked by generous love, is it not? These Christians understood that following Jesus and being the church meant practicing generous love together. The believers shared everything in common because they didn't want anyone to be in need. And it wasn't just the church in Jerusalem either. Paul praised the church in Colossae. In chapter 1, verse 4, he writes, We have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all of God's people. This was a group of Christians that Paul had never met, and yet he had heard of their incredible love for each other. Paul commended the Thessalonian Christians for their work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. He wanted to say, the Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Arche. Your faith in God has become known everywhere causes me to wonder what would our neighbouring churches and what would our broader community be saying about us? Are we a model of generous love to other churches on the Central Coast? Are we a model of what generous love looks like to the community around us? Are we known for our generous love? It's astonishing to think that Christianity began with a very, very small sect of Jewish people, maybe a few hundred. You could probably fit the entire church in this building, in these four walls. Imagine that. Christianity began with 
a group of people that could fit inside the walls of this church. And yet in 300 years, they had grown to become the dominant religion in the entire Roman Empire. In his book, The Early Church, and Higgins quotes this, Henry Chadwick writes, the practical application of love was probably the most potent single cause of Christian success. Christian love expressed itself in love for the poor, for widows and orphans, in visits to brethren in prison or condemned to the living death of labour in the mines, and social action in time of calamity like famine, earthquake, pestilence or war. The practical application of love was the most potent single cause of Christian success. Society today, particularly in Western culture, has become largely narcissistic. We have become a people that is largely focused on self. We are so focused on self that it comes at the expense of others. We've become a people who seek the meaning of life through self-satisfaction. Self and family have become our new gods. Our individualistic consumer culture tells us to invest our time, our energy, our passions and our wealth not in loving people but in loving ourselves and in doing what we like and what makes us happy. And when we do, we're celebrated. I'm not pointing the finger here. (laughs) I struggle with this. This is the culture of which we live. And if we're not careful, we can very easily get sucked into it ourselves. Now, if that had been the culture of the early church, it is incredibly unlikely that you or I would be sitting here today. Being the people of God requires us to practice a different way of life to that of the society around us. It calls for us to stand out and be different, like the Christians did in the early church. It calls for our lives to be marked and shaped by a love that extends well beyond family and close friends. Beyond the people we know, beyond the people we're comfortable with. You see, if we only show love to our family or our friends or to the people we like and are comfortable with, then how different are we to the world around us? Why would anyone notice us? Why would we ever hope that anyone would see God through us if we're just the same? What hope could we possibly have unless we extend love beyond, well beyond ourselves? In the parable that Susie read out to us, we heard Jesus tell his disciples that we call the parable of the sheep and the goats. And as you look at this parable, you'll see that firstly it focuses on the who. It's focusing on who's going to be in the kingdom of God and who's not. 
But when you look at it closer, it also talks about the why. Why some are invited to be part of God's kingdom and why some are left out. And when you look at it, you will see that it says nothing about right beliefs or doctrine. It says nothing about all the books, the knowledge that we've gained, the songs that we've sung, the gatherings we've attended, the conferences we've been to. It's all about what people did or didn't do with their faith. In this parable, who are the righteous? Who are those who are invited into Jesus' kingdom? It's those who love generously. It's those whose love extends well beyond family and close friends to that of the stranger, to the sick, to the needy, to the poor. It's not to those who say the right things or believe the right things or tick all of the religious boxes. Jesus taught that righteousness is about a right relationship with God and right behavior that reflects that relationship. It's all about relationship. It's all about God and people. Right relationship with God that flows into right relationships with others. You and I were created to reflect and reveal the character of Jesus and his kingdom. That's what we were born for. That is our life's purpose. And I want to say that that needs to start right here. If we can't extend and practice generous love amongst our brothers and sisters in Christ, in this church family, then there is little chance that we are going to extend it to those outside. Does generous love come easy? No, it doesn't. We like to be comfortable. We like to be safe. We like to associate with those who are similar to us. I get that. But it's why we need to be intentional about this. It's why we need to be prayerfully seeking God as to who we can show love through acts of kindness and compassion and generosity. You see, God's plan has always been that his people would love each other extravagantly that it would become a witness to the nations and to the communities in which they're surrounded by. I want you to think specifically now about how you could act with love towards someone unexpected this coming week. Who you could spend time with to show that person that they are valued. Is there somebody you could help practically Perhaps maybe in the garden or offering to do someone's shopping. Maybe they're ironing, maybe babysitting. I'm sure there are a whole other range of things that you can think of. I'm aware that there are many people in this church who don't have a family network on the coast and would so love to have someone pay an interest in them beyond 
a smile and hello over morning tea on Sunday morning. Love knows people by name. It seeks to meet the needs of others. Who could you financially help this week? Who could you cook a meal for? Or better still, cook a meal and take it and eat it with someone. You know, I think, at a guess, there'd be a number of people in this church who spend most evenings alone. Who'd probably just love a visit, coffee, a meal. Is there someone you can encourage in their faith this week? Is there someone you can read the Bible with, pray with, pray for? Could you have the courage to ask how someone is going in their walk with Jesus rather than just assuming that you're at church so you're all good? That's what we do, isn't it? (laughs) For the follower of Jesus, my brothers and sisters, generous love is not an optional extra. We don't get to pick and choose. It's what we were born for. It's why Jesus places us in community. So that we actually have to wrestle with this stuff. and Learn what it means to love people. Learn what it means to love people that we're not necessarily comfortable with or even like. And he did that so that we could be a model, a light. You know, Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It was the heart of Jesus that his people would love each other. Not when you walk into a church building or give to a charity, but when you love each other. This is a massive challenge for us to be the people that God has called us to be and to be intentional about it, to be looking for ways every single day that we can show love. It doesn't have to be big. Something as small and as simple as a text message, a a letter, a card, a note, a phone call, a visit, a word could make the difference in someone's day, in someone's week. And it needs to start here. It needs to start with people from within this church family and particularly those who you wouldn't normally bless with your love. So I encourage you to prayerfully ask God who he is asking you to intentionally bless this week. The world was changed through a few hundred followers of Jesus. Just imagine how our community could be changed if we truly loved one another and allowed that love to be seen. Imagine what our witness in this community would be like if we chose to be like Trevor Huddleston. If we chose to put aside what our society tells us is right, which is self and the pursuit of self if we chose to reject that message and if we chose to embrace the message of neighbour and love for neighbour, what 
kind of an impact might we have? May it be, God, that we could receive your generous love and then extend your generous love to those around us. Amen. Thanks, team.